Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. We are here live and there's already four people here. So get your comments in the chats. Um, we'll, uh, you know, want to hear from you throughout the show. Um, but first of all, let's see who we've got on the show today. We've got Dagan from the US of A. How are you doing, Dagan? Better late than never, Joe. Running a little behind today. Thanks, for everybody, for being patient uh, for my arrival, especially you, Joe, and Jordy. Uh, but, yeah, I'm here. I'm pumped. We're playing more Euro- European football uh, far into the future. Truth. Truth. We are playing more European football. Brighton and Hove Albion have secured their place in the Europa League knockout stages. Can I just say that again? Brighton and Hove Albion have secured their place in the Europa League knockout stages. My mind is blown. What better person to talk to than a guy from Europe, Jordi from Spain. Tell us uh, how, how, how you're feeling today. You all good? We are superb when Brighton has go so far like this year. It's, it's amazing for all the Brighton fans and for all the Brightonians that, especially as you, as Joe, that... It's the clubs and since you are a kid and when you see how it's progressing, it's like living a dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, before we get into the show, we want to know a little bit more about you, Jordi. How did you become a Brighton fan? Uh, when was your first Brighton game? Okay, in my case, it's simple. I became a Brighton fan because um, my girlfriends go to Brighton to study and we are both from here from Spain and finally uh, we get in love with Brighton not only with the football club because she likes to play football but uh, me I am the person that I am lot of lot focused with football but yeah and we get in love with the city and we have been before in in UK but yeah some only for holidays but um, visiting just uh, each one month and a half and she living there. It was like, for me, Brighton, it's like a place that all it's possible and it's, and has some magicians, sunsets. And yeah, it's a city that, I don't know, but it's like my second home. And obviously, in my case, um, I had experience in, in football. I am soccer football coach. And during the summers, I go with FC Barcelona into U.S., because I collaborate with their academies, but possibly I follow Barca, I like how they play, but the only club, like, you have a deep feeling. Before, I didn't have a deep feeling, and the only club that I had with it, it's it's Brighton. That's incredible to hear. I absolutely love that, um, that you've come over here and, you know, you found your second home, as you say. It's, it's really amazing that we've got fans all over the all over the globe, um, that, you know, you've watched Barcelona. How do you become to love Brighton? That's just, it blows my mind. But obviously we're playing lovely football now, so um, I love it. Um, have there been any sort of favourite players from, from the Albion that you've watched over the years? Um, in my case, um, obviously I knew some players, for example, because Bruno Salto, the capitano, um, I remember him because he has, I think, well, I know him from Valencia, but previously I think that I don't know if he plays with Yeida, but it was like in regional teams here, and I knew it a little bit. But obviously, because um, I recommend to you, to every one of you, um, 
to follow a football channel that in Spanish that it's I don't know if you ever have um watched it that it's La Media Inglesa if you want to watch it and they collaborate a lot with them our um ex-football player Andrea Orlandi that was a great football player in in Brighton and obviously always in the channel he's talking like I had a career but um, my two years in Brighton were, were the best years in my life as a football player so I recommend you because it's like a channel that they had a very good feeling with Brighton and it's like this is a well-run club this is a familiar club and we have like I don't know, it it went also the actual coach that we have in under 18s that is that was also Spanish. Um that is Juan de Calderon, no? Juan Calderon, Inigo Calderon, Calderon was uh, also uh, yeah, had some interviews there and yeah, it's like Spanish but with deep feeling for Brighton. So, yes, yes. I I absolutely love that. Um and you you're going to have to send us links to those channels okay, yeah, yeah for sure it, it's in spanish and they explain yeah the premier league and the english football and that uh, yeah it, it, i think you will like it, it and That's it's a good wonderful. way to learn spanish I, I i need to learn my spanish anyway it's it's one of the best languages ever i, I absolutely adore it um so um has there been so i'm a massive football shirt fan dagan i'm turning you into a massive football shirt fan i'm, I'm getting you there and you're wearing a lovely shirt there as well geordie yeah. Have there been any favourite Albion shirts that you've seen or any, any like Barcelona shirts even? No, no. Um, in my case, I am like a, a person that I had a deep feeling for when a club do a good work with the community. So the last shirt, possibly the shirt of this year of Brighton, I don't like too much. Previous year, possibly not at all, but... The three before this, so three years before, four years before, and five years before, I love all of them. And the classics that have Brighton, all of them. For me, if you have a T-shirt and you have a T-shirt with Pascal Gross, it's like top T-shirt always. <laughs> and from Barcelona, when they have like UNICEF, because they have top top player, for me, represent the best of Brighton because it's like evolving with them and this class of player. I don't know. And yeah, from Barcelona, the t-shirts that they have, it was when they have like UNICEF here in the front, but when they sold their um, soul to Qatar or something like this, at this moment, I don't I, I won't buy any t-shirt if it's linked to to this kind of things. If it's like something that it's like NGOs or local, like it's Brighton, I like the shirts. Yeah, no, that's completely fair and, and very good reasons to, to buy football shirts. Um, Dagan. Yeah, Joe, like, I, I want to dive right in. Jordy, it's really exciting to meet you. Uh, you guys are longtime fans. I'm a newer fan. I I was a believer about this from the, from the get-go. But here, here we are. And Joe, as you said, we've advanced in European competition. We're seeing the next round. We are in contention to win the group. Um, before we start to talk about the game, I just want to kind of get a sense from you and from Jordy, like what what does this mean to you as a longtime Brighton fan who I mean a year ago when I told people I was a new Brighton fan, they were like, What's Brighton? Still, many people who were just casual fans. Uh, you know, people who really knew the Premier League had a response that was 
somewhat favorable, uh, but sort of like, why'd you pick a small club? But for you guys who've been fans longer, like what, what does this mean? Talk to me, talk to listeners about how this feels. Oh, it's, it's hard to put it into words. Um, like it's, it's been a crazy journey from, you know, we, we had our very emotional last year when European football was secured and those emotions have settled and, but, but, but they're still, they're still here. They're, they're still carried with us. Um, whilst we're competing in this competition and every time we walk out to that Europa League music, every time that I see that Europa League badge on the side of our players' shirts is, you know, we're sat here in special commemorative Europa League football shirts that, you know, we never thought we would see be worn, but they were worn yesterday and, and possibly for the last time and the first time yesterday and and won in, in that shirt as well just having these moments where if in 10 years time it goes bad because you know i know as much as any british football fan knows that it can go south very quickly dagan i know you're the resident optimist and you're going to tell me i'm crazy you're going to tell me to shut up but you know if it goes south and in 10 years time we're sat mid mid table championship mid table league 1 we can look back on these moments and be like, we lived that. That was our football club. These, you know, it is, it is history. It is written in stone history of this football club now. And in 20 years time, 30 years time, we look back on these players and these memories and, oh, it just, so what's your question, Dagan, without babbling on too much? It, it just means an incredible amount. Jordy, thank you, Joe. Jordy, same question. I mean, in England, Brighton's a small club. In Spain, probably much like the U.S. Like, who's Brighton? So, like, talk to us about what it, what does this mean for you as a, a Brighton fan in in Spain in a sort of different world of European football? For me. It's like uh, a present for a city, and it's like, yeah, it's a dream, but it's a deserved dream because if you observe, like, the, I don't know, but the business of football in Brighton always, when they want to promote from what League One to Championship to champ, from Championship to Premier League, they were like, mm, always with financial budgets that were correct, always doing good things. It was like a step by step, um, don't being crazy. And in case what Joe was telling that, okay, if in 10 years we will be in championship or something, I could be like very happy because from this experience, in my case, I am super calm because I know like, the best that we have in Brighton, it's the owner and the chairman, and they are not going anywhere. So it doesn't matter if the players can go or not, but the idea and the model and how to run a club, it's amazing. It's possible that next year we won't be in European football. It's possible, but I know that if Brighton stills like this, it's like here in Spain, it's like a model of close to Villarreal, a model that um, was like... Mm, giving a lot of power to the youngers and trying to do the best as they can. And 
if you remember, Villarreal arrived into the semifinals of Champions League, but then 10 years or 15 years later, then they won the Europa League. So it's like a well-run club. They could have a bad year, but you know that they will be always there. So for me, it's like, yes, it's like Brighton as a city and you as a fans, like Joe, the fans that have been all since their life from Brighton, they deserve it. For me, it's like City deserved this and they work so hard and yeah, it's justice. I I want to sort of put my um, respects to these people who are traveling all over Europe at the moment and, and getting to experience this firsthand because, you know, I've experienced the away days um, at home. I've been watching it on TV. I'm not lucky enough to, to, to be one of these people that goes to Europe and, you know, gets to have a night out in Athens and party with Fatboy Slim and, and things like that. But I, I just... You know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and be a, a jealous person because I, I I think how incredible that is for them that they they get to go and experience that, and I'm just so happy for these people who have have watched us in the darkest depths of English football now rise to the the very top of you you know European football and and play these teams you know play Ajax off the park really go toe-to-toe with Marseille who are such a famous French team and Athens who have such incredible European pedigree um it's it's such an honor to be witnessing what we're witnessing at at the moment with this football club um so I guess without further ado Dagan let's talk about the game um so the the starting lineup we all know about the injuries we're not going to talk about the injuries today was there any shocks in the starting lineup? <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to say there would be a shock. Um, there are only you know not even a handful of guys that you probably lobby to have one of those spots. You know maybe you'd like to see Dahoud, uh, maybe you'd like to see Baleba. Um, who else came on during the game that you might have liked to see? I mean Duffus uh, probably is not on that list. Um, who am I forgetting? Somebody else came on. I feel like there's one more regular first team player who came on. Believe. Yeah. What's that? Believer. Well, I've been to who I said, was there one more Milner Milner? Maybe. Milner. First one. Uh, that's why I forgot. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, not a lot to question. Um, given. Yeah. I, I think the one, the one thing I'll say is I was a little surprised not to see to start knowing that he's going to miss this weekend. And so I thought we might see him just to save someone else for a full 90 on the weekend when we won't have him available. So that was a little bit of a surprise. But given the physicality of Iac, uh, or Ake, Athens, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not that surprised. Um, so, yeah, I felt, I, felt, I felt really good about the lineup. I looked at the team sheet and thought, this is a good squad given – what we have. And it's kind of inspiring that we have this many good players to put out on the pitch, given the number of injuries that we're not talking about that we have. Yeah. And I I said, I wasn't going to talk about them, but we have the opportunity here to get a fresh perspective from Geordie. What is going on at Brighton? What's going on in that medical room? Because we've got so many injuries and one of them being Ansu Fati 
um, who we've spoken about before we came on air, um, is out for six weeks, I believe. Um, yeah, do, do you think it's incredible that Brighton have stayed so competitive with the injuries that we've had? Yeah, mm, it's incredible. You you don't know because in some seasons, like when Real Madrid won Champions League, also they had lots of injuries and finally uh, they get, get they get in. But possibly the most important thing was like last two days, Europa League and possibly Nottingham Forest. Possibly both matches weren't our best, but also we have been efficient to 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 win these matches and also. Possibly years ago, we weren't able to do that. And yeah, for sure, I was 200% agree with Dagan because when he explained why the hood didn't understand, I thought that when they came when they came home, um, they have to defend lots of crosses and lots of situations that need a lot of physicality. And yeah, for me, mm, I think Roberto learns from previous matches that we have with them and and yeah for sure we, we we won for me we shouldn't be so worried about the injuries we have the matches that we have and the injuries that we have this is why when Enciso was injured injured um they required to have Ansufati and other football players so this is why we should be on track to to understand that Brighton is not used to play three days after each three days, but but that's all. Um, amazing. We have won and, and that's all. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. Um, Dagan, do you think um, that, again, it's just absolutely astonishing that we've managed to stay so competitive whilst we're waiting for 12, 13 players to come back? It's just insane. And when those players do come back, as Jordi said, that later on in the season, you know, Real Madrid had injury problems. Later on in the season, they go and win the championship. For us, that could happen. Yeah, I mean, we're, right now we're hanging around. And I, I think that, you know, we we got very accustomed to not falling below ninth place last year as we didn't fall below ninth place at any point in the season. Um, so here we sit eighth. I think despite many fans feeling like things are, have been going a little bit sideways and we have, you know, now, now officially the longest injury list uh, in the premier league. Um, we also have three consecutive shutouts running and I'm trying to think, I guess the last goal conceded was in the first half against Marseille. Right. Is that right? So we're three and a half yeah. Europa league games without conceding. Uh, that That's not bad for a team that is, you know, often maligned for defensive miscues. Uh, and I, I think, I think there's something in that in, in people's thoughts about yesterday, but we'll talk maybe more about that as we go. Uh, but I definitely want to, I want to get some of these, these comments. I saw uh, Andrew, Andrew in there commenting on the, on the poor first half. So perhaps we'll talk about that momentarily. Let's talk about the poor first half now, because it was no secret as to how Athens were going to come out and play against us. Dagan, you made a really good point before we came on there that they've studied a certain uh, match very, very heavily, which I'll, I'll let you touch a little bit more on. Um, but, Jordi, were you surprised with Brighton's approach? Because I think we had a very good five, first five minutes. 
we we created a couple of really really good chances to to go ahead very early on and then from there on out it just seemed like Athens turned a page and had had a number on us really yeah for sure uh but what I'm like more proud it's like uh, the previous match that we had against them here at at the MX and our like the, the main threat was like all the crosses because in a corner in a fault they scored it was like they didn't do nothing one cross and they score and possibly we had some chances but but we improved defending this and and for sure um possibly i think all of you will agree that was not the best match of brighton but we won three in a row in europa league it seems easy but it's not easy yeah, there's some the quote from De Zerbi after the game, Dagan, that I just want to read out. Um, we are not used to winning in this way. Usually we use we lose the game despite playing better than the opponent, just the way AEK lost tonight. Today, AEK were better than us, but for once we won such a type of match. Now our ambition is to top the group. We have to defeat Marseille, and they are a great team, just like AEK. Dagan, talk us about the match that Athens were, or you believe, would have studied very heavily before playing against us. I really think they watched the Villa tape and they wanted to take it to us. Um, That they felt like they weren't aggressive enough in getting into us and gave us too much space and time uh, in the first game as, as we sort of settled into the game. And it seemed to me that they were they were a step off that early in the game and we were exploiting them over the first 10 minutes. But as, as they settled in and, and we didn't capitalize with an early goal, they, I mean, they really, they just, they got into us everywhere. Um, And we had nowhere to, we had nowhere to turn. So we were stuck making tighter passes uh, into tighter spaces. Uh, Ferguson and Joe Pedro dropping deep really had trouble having extra time to, to turn and even, to make a next pass, let alone, you know, hurt them in any way. And, uh, you know, that's credit. That's credit to them. Um, I, I sensed because of that, it, it seemed that we accepted we're going to give the ball away more. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that all of it was accidental. And I think a lot of the response to, oh, we look awful, was I think we sort of had to acknowledge we're, we're not going to be to play beautiful football and win this game. We're not going to be to make you know, 50 pass sequences. We're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to take advantage of the fact that we are faster than this team. And we're going to try to one-time counterattack or quick hit when an opportunity presents itself. And, you know, eventually we did, right? The foul that Jao Pedro, you know, created was off kind of a quick opportunity. Um, and again, we we gave some away due to their pressure. But I think it was that kind of game. It was going to be an ugly game. And so, you know, watching it, I didn't watch it live, as you guys know, I was at work. Um, and watching it after the fact and looking for this terrible game that I heard that we played, I, I just I saw it in a little bit of different light because it just looked like we played the game that we had to play. Um, sometimes your opponents dictate, and I think it's not Deserby style to allow that to happen, but they were really, really physical uh, in, in ways that maybe the referee could have changed the complexion of the game at times, certainly early in the second half, uh, but didn't. And so I... I left that game feeling better about 
us. And I think Jordy, to your point, taking away the crossing opportunities, we did mark guys in the box. We didn't leave, you know, holes open that have really cost us in previous games. So I think that that's a point really well made. Um, so like I left that game really pleased in a lot of ways with looking at our defensive positioning. It felt like when we did, did give the ball away, other than the one gross giveaway where we just didn't have a lot of bodies at that particular moment where he sent the ball with his left foot sort of back across the pitch in the second half. Um, other than that, there weren't too many moments where my heart was completely in my throat. <laughs> there were certainly scary moments, uh, but it didn't feel like we were exposed with not enough guys back sprinting back in the counterattack. Um, and that, that was pleasant. And I really felt like that was not getting too many guys pushed too far up the pitch and exposing ourselves to that counter. Cause I think that's really what they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's great to see that Deserby is trying to coach into his players the the areas that you know we, we've clearly pointed out across the season. Um, a, a few of our guys on on the podcast have certainly pointed out a lot of negative areas of of the team at the moment. Um, but you know it's great to see a coach proactively trying to to plug those gaps and improve that. Um, and I think. You know, as you say, Dagan, what is it, three and a half games, clean sheet in Europe. Hopefully we can put that into the league and get a league clean sheet as well. And, you know, we talk about confidence of attacking players. You also got to talk about the confidence of the other way. Um, and I, I think that's something Deserby's really trying to drill into them at the moment. Um, Jordy, do you think Brighton were probably quite lucky to go in at halftime nil-nil? As far as I'm concerned, I I don't know, because yeah, possibly possibly the others have certain uh, chances, yeah, but on the other hand, uh, we were okay on the duels, on the intensity. It's part of their game playing, but I think like for example, yeah, in aerial duels, also in keeping better the distances, I think that. Lots of lot of works of some players like Adingra, these kind of players that helps the right back and and the left back also were keys in order to to avoid um, to to avoid yeah, some crosses and and yeah having having Lewis Dunk that in the first match I think he was not able to play uh, for me was key and. And a guy that is developing so far and is improving a lot for me, that I know that his level was top uh, was Barber Bruggen. Yesterday he was amazing and and yeah, we should be another time that we should be very conscious. It's like it's the keeper of Holland and it's the first choice and it's our co our goalkeeper. So like uh, La Naranja Mecanica of Cruyff. Uh, the orange mechanic, uh, his keeper, it's our keeper. And yeah, for me, he was amazing. Possibly he will make some mistakes because uh, finally the the style of the Zerbi is like attracting uh, the others because they want that they press so high and then try to speed, try to accelerate because try to find the spaces and then create it. And this, in some occasions, is taking some risks. But yesterday that the opponents didn't allow you to do them. Bart, for me, was impressive. 
Yeah, Dagan, you've been a massive um, Bart Verbruggen fan. Um, and I, I remember when we were about to sign him and the rumours were, were, were heavy that you were very, very excited. Um, do you think that performance yesterday has sort of solidified his place in he should be number one choice for us? Or do you think the goalkeeper argument for Brighton is just so overdone now? <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure it's a I'm not sure it's a real argument that that Bart is the more talented guy. Um he's he's more talented, he's the future. Uh Jason Steele has earned his place, and I think Deserby's gonna keep giving these guys opportunities. To me, what he said most recently was that you know one guy may get a long string of games and then the other gets a long string of games or the other only plays a few, uh, you know, hard to sit someone after a performance like that. It'll be interesting to see if he gets the start at a very hostile Chelsea, uh, environment. Um, he's what I, what I think he showed a lot of people is for anybody who thought Steele was miles ahead of him and he wasn't ready. I think he showed a different level yesterday. Um, and and I think Deserby was already well aware that that level was in him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been out there in the first place in any of these games. He'd have just gone with Steele, who he knew what he had in Steele. Um, but Verbruggen's ceiling is just, I mean, immense, immense. He's he's six four. He's athletic. He's good with his feet. His decision making is going to get there, right? But I don't think it's flawed. I just think it's a little bit of his timing isn't quite up to the speed of the top top of the Premier League and the top top of Europe, but. He's he's not far off, and I, it seems like he gets better every game. Um, and I think we just have to stop, you know, rinsing the guy over <laughs> every time he makes one mistake. Yeah, well, welcome to Brighton fandom. <laughs> There's always a scapegoat. Um, so, as I say, we entered our uh, halftime nil nil, um, and it took only ten minutes for us to create the opportunity. Uh, for Jao Pedro to put the Albion in front. Uh, there's a couple of guys in, in the comments saying, you know, having some players that can create one moment of, of magic for you and, and get you the opportunity to be taken down. And I, one person in our group chat, Aaron, said it wasn't a penalty, but then very quickly backtracked when he saw the replay. Um, a definite penalty for me, Geordie, and who better to step up and take it than Jao Pedro? The boy has ice running through his veins, doesn't he? Yes, absolutely. Um, I should say, like, I love Joao Pedro because, yeah, as you told us, Joe, uh, he has ice in his veins. I should say that um, the level of kicking a penalty of McAllister for me was another level because I remember the goal against against United. This way of kicking a penalty, it's for me it's another level. But for sure, if you don't have like the ability to try to put the goal in the net at the best point that you can have, if you have ice in your veins and you know how to control your emotions, for sure, um, Joao Pedro has been a good solution. Yeah, I I saw um, Ryan tweet out about uh, wanting to give Watford thirty million pounds more. Dagan, um, have we got a bit of a steal on our hands uh, with with Jao Pedro? How, what what is his ceiling? And I know people will say, oh, he only scores penalties. 
but the boys got clear class. Yeah. Um, well, I think it was Deserby saying the other day that that he's kind of just scratching the surface and that he could he could you know make Tony Bloom very very happy, uh, being you know the next sort of big big player. Uh, it's a fair question whether you know Ferguson will be the next big sale or if or if he will. Um, and, and then again, I, I continue to say there's going to come a time when we're going to going to sneak into the Champions League, and the money's going to look a bit a little bit different and. Maybe it's maybe it's not big six money, but it's just a little bit less. But if Deserby wants to stay and guys want to be a part of something special, maybe they stay. And I know that sounds a little Pollyanna, and you know, I'm you know talking crazy talk. But I, these guys are going to make a make a name for themselves. And if the club continues to make a name for itself, you know, going into a timeshare where you're one of five or six guys that's elite, elite, elite. That may not be as attractive, you know. If if Jao Pedro is the leading goal scorer in the Europa League this year, when the whole thing is said and done, what does that what does that do for his profile versus being, you know, an option for a bigger team? Um, sometimes playing the long the long game too for these guys, I think is smart. And you may decide, look, I'm going to stick here for a few years. It seems like that's what Evan Ferguson and his camp want to do. Um, Jao Pedro may be of a similar mindset, so. I, those two guys together to me unlock so much in each other. And I'm, I'm working on some, some data to prove that's the case. Uh, but we've, we've fared really well. Anytime those two have shared the pitch together. I know it was a slow start yesterday, uh, but we did ultimately break through and score a goal. Yeah, exactly that. Another youngster who um, has, I would say hit the ground running with Brighton, but is it out injured for, for six weeks um, who I want to really get an in-depth view of with you, Geordie and Sufati. Um, you've already spoken about the character of Ansu Fati before we started recording, uh, but I think it would be really good for our viewers to, to hear about one, his character um, two do we have a chance of signing signing him on a permanent deal? Um, and three, just just how much of a, a great player he's been for Brighton so far. Yeah, uh, we should think like he was playing as a here. They thought in Barcelona that he would be the next Messi, and then he had an injury. We should say like the best ability of Antsufati was was not because he was dribbling because better than Mitoma. This was not his ability. His ability was like ball that he touches, ball that goes in. And now when you have like a yeah, a heart injury, this second extra that you were quicker, he is not. And you need to reinvent, you need to change a little bit the way of, of, of playing until you have la, la, the confidence. I was telling to Joe before, like, one of my, my best friends was um, his psychologist in, 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 in Barca when he was uh, younger and he was such a good uh, kid because my friend is like one of the most ethics person that I've ever known in football. And he was talking like, Andrew is a good guy. He's very humble. You will see a guy that it's always very grateful when where you are. And I think like the choice that he... He chooses Brighton because he understands it like, okay, um, Sevilla also would be the other contender, but would be pressure. But in Brighton, will I will learn because 
Roberto is top coach for me better than Xavi absolutely and and was an opportunity to, to learn and to play regularly and yes he has been good he has a lot of potential I don't know if Barca will take him back but yeah an option is like that they can sell it because economically brighter it's better than Barca well, I think we uh, we saw the uh, release clause uh, before he signed on loan, and I think the release clause was something ridiculous, like one billion euros. Uh, but I, I don't know how true that is. Um, but I've seen, also seen reports that Barcelona would be open to selling Ansu Fati. So I think if if he continues to have a good time here, and Roberto De Zerbi reportedly signs a new deal then I, I don't see why that relationship can't continue. Um, and, you know, as Dagan was talking about, that moment in the, the, where's where's that switch? Where do players actually want to stay at Brighton and achieve something with Brighton? Um, and I think we're approaching that switch quicker than a lot of Brighton fans think for. Um, so I, I hope that comes soon. Um, another player to talk about who the comments are talking about, uh, Hinchelwood. Absolutely fantastic performance from him um, before the the game. Um, it was sort of questioned, what, will he go on the right? Will he go on the left? Slotted in at left back. I mean, the, the boy slotted in in three or four different positions this season, Dagan, already. And he's 18 years old. Premier League debut last season at the tail end of it. Europa League debut. <sighs> this boy's having a dream this season. He is. Uh, I got to see I got to see him for the first time this summer when he was getting experience, and uh, you could you could see the athleticism and the talent. I'll be perfectly candid that my response to seeing him out there was he wasn't ready, um, and I I felt absolutely the same way uh, seeing him in the midfield against Villa of of all teams, who I think arguably has one of the very very best midfields in the Premier League, um, and he he didn't look ready for that. He, he acquitted himself really, really, really well yesterday. Um, he he was like omnipresent. I mean, he was just everywhere. Uh, and, you know, both both making himself available and then getting stuck in defensively. Like, I, I just thought he offered so much yesterday. And his energy is, is unquestionable. Uh, but he didn't get bodied to the degree I thought he might. Um, although facing Amrabat, I think, you know, many, many guys were. I was glad he had... Uh, you know, Igor there as a support <laughs> had a big brother figure behind him. Uh, but yeah, he, he impressed me yesterday. I thought it was his best performance for sure on the biggest stage. There was a picture you shared in the group chat of Igor last night, I think, or this morning. And he, he had like two players on his tail and he was just like bodied them both off. No problem at all. Um, it's great to see that type of center back for us, right? He was carrying the ball into their box. Um, <laughs> and then one of their players made a really nice tackle. It was that, it was that moment, but he was literally holding two guys behind him while dribbling the ball up the pitch. It was like, I, I paused the screen. I was like, I have to get a picture of this. It just cracked me up. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. Um, Talking of our centre-backs, uh, Geordie, one centre-back that we didn't have yesterday, uh, Jean-Paul Van Heck, 
um, has has made a, a claim to be probably better than Levi Colwell. A lot of people have said he, that he's sort of grown into the Zerbi system better than anyone thought he would. At the tail end of last season, he kept Erling Haaland in his pocket in a one-all draw at the Amex. Um, for for De Zerbi to have this array of centre backs to to his disposal, obviously Jan Paul Van Hecker being um, banned yesterday, but how how good is that for a coach to have that versatility at the back? It's very good to sum up uh, when you have a defender that it's good with the ball, and you have another defender that it's good uh, into run back. I think that. Dunk and him complement lovely. These both, possibly, it's both. Mm, I didn't thought about it, but yeah, it's like uh, the um, threats from one are the strengths for the other, and they complement each one very good. When Levicol will get back into Chelsea, we were a little bit scared, but this guy, mm, yeah, like all the teenagers, make one step in front and it was amazing yeah it's so good to see these players that you know when Caicedo leaves McAllister leaves yeah we haven't replaced Caicedo the way we want to we haven't replaced McAllister the way we want to but people are stepping up um, at really important times and it's really good to see um, that we've got this really incredible spirit in the squad at the moment Dagan so that leads me on to talk about the celebrations at the end of the game Let's also talk about the celebrations at the end of the Nottingham Forest game because I think they go together. But, you know, the celebration police were out on Saturday when we when we beat Forest. I'm sure the celebration police were out again yesterday saying, oh, Brighton think they've won the Europa League already. But these moments when the squad is so thin, what what is that doing for the squad, do you believe? Again, we talk so much about Roberto De Zerbi, mentality monster, mentality master. Uh, I I think there's a little bit of a there's us against the world mentality brewing amongst this group. That it's just sort of you know people are dismissing us. You know we don't belong, right? And that's absolutely like as a coach, that's absolutely what you want to instill, right? This mindset that like they don't want us here. We don't belong, right? Chip on your shoulder. And I, I feel like we're bringing that. Um, and and our, our fans, I think, are embracing it. And so there's this relationship of, mm, to, you know, the powers that be and whatever else that thinks, you know, they can make whatever calls they can make uh, go against us. And, I, you know, and then in Europe, it's, I think it is, it's, it's a little bit of that and a lot of just joy. Right. I think it's just genuine gratitude for look at where we are, especially for the Lewis Dunks, you know, who have been with us all the way through. Um, there's just real gratitude and there's a celebration that is like you fans deserve this moment with us. And there's this joy in sharing that moment together. That's really that's really beautiful. Um, you know, in the in the forest celebration, I, th- I think there's a little more uh, grit. <laughs> <laughs> to it uh but the europa league is is i think just announcing our arrival joyously to the world on the world stage yeah I, there was such a such a lovely moment at the end of that game yesterday where the cameras caught it i think it was dunk milner fat uh veltman and somebody else 
embrace in the middle of the park and it's just like oh we've done it <laughs> we've 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 qualified for the next round and um let's talk about the next round because Geordie we you've spoken to me on messages about Marseille um and yesterday's results mean that it's a really interesting match at the Amex in the the, the final uh, group stage game the winner takes all basically um tell us a little bit about Marseille and that the, the game that is set up at the Amex on the 14th of December Need to unmute. Sorry, uh, I will tell them. I will tell you later a little uh, anecdote that I have with with Marseille that it's that you will laugh a little bit. Um, yeah, but Marseille, it's kind of team like you know Aubameyang, um, quick players. Um, they had high speed and also when they find uh, spaces with quality, uh, try to catch it. Um, Gattuso or teams that uh, have been linked uh, with Marseille are, are teams that yeah are good a little bit of AEK style like in duels are intense and yeah and also they are good in counter attack but I think it would be like for example playing against Ajax not this year no but it's like possession style trying to find the spaces both teams we are like in a good similar way of playing but yeah playing against Marseille is like playing one team that uh, proposes counter-attack than a team that mm, try to find the positional space and also when they want that press that the team press you high and then try to find the spaces on their back so yeah I think like it would be two different styles but yeah playing at home so very it will be a tough match, but uh, it will be interesting. And as a thing that it's very that you will laugh a little bit. Um, as a worker, I work in a aircraft company, but um, my I am a data analyst. And and what is interesting is because our first market is Marseille, and we had as customers Marseille and the football club and we give them up uh, into Europe against the charter and I was joking with my president and all the people of my enterprise telling them please don't let them arrive <laughs> into Brighton don't put a good catering into them only for this <laughs> European match please because it will be a Annette they, they were joking we joke a little bit about but if this day it's not the best day for them, for me it would be it would be nice. <laughs> well, you know, you know that if anything goes wrong with Marseille, people are going to be coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no. In my case, I can understand. I'd take anything that's going to give us the edge against Marseille because you know we saw at their place that they're a very very powerful team and, and can really hurt you if you're if you're if you're napping. Um, and we certainly were in the first half against them. We were lucky and showed amazing character to come back and draw that game. <clears throat> um, so I think that that game on the 14th, Dagan, is, is going to be a spectacular one. Uh, for for all the marbles, as they say. Uh, first place, first place on the line. 
buy on the line, avoiding playing one of the third place Champions League teams dropping down on the line. I've heard some people speculate, you know, they'd be happy to have the the extra away day. I, I, I'm not going on that away day, so perhaps I'm uh, prone to not want it. But to have two games that we don't have to play, given, you know, what we we know our schedule is going to look like to me is tremendous. Um, those games, the knockout phase games happen in February, the round of 16, which we would qualify for automatically by virtue of being first. They're not until March. Uh, so it's a, it could be a long break where we get to sit back and, you know, watch these other teams cannibalize each other while we, you know, plan. And again, so if we get this win against Marseille, we're seven games away from a major European trophy. Seven. That's a lot. It's a lot of games. Uh, you don't have to win them all. You just have to win the aggregate of three series, and then you're playing for a trophy in Europe. That is real talk. We're one game away. From, right. Uh, yeah. It's fun. Everybody, it's fun get, your, get, get your tickets to Ireland booked. We're going to the final. Dagan has sold it. <clears throat> um, yeah. No, as you say, Dagan, like that, not going into the, the qualifying rounds, if you like, would, would be huge for us. Um, as well, knowing that in the new year, the FA Cup starts as well. So that's extra fixtures there. Um, so it's definitely something to think about. Would I like another European fixture at the Amex? Yes, it would be great. But as you say, thinking logically, um, it's probably not the uh, <clears throat> not the smartest thing for us to do. So go out there and win against Marseille um, is what my advice would be to Roberto Zerbi and the team. Um, but yeah. So next up in the Premier League, Chelsea Football Club. Fantastic. Sunday, kickoff, 2pm. Geordie, how are you feeling ahead of that game? Are we going to go there and wipe the smiles off their faces? I don't want that they give them an extra life. We gave them on the Carabao Cup. I, For us, possibly it was better to don't continue because we had lots of games. And it's not the same Carabao as FA, for sure. But, but yeah, Chelsea now had mm, not the best uh, position that they would want. Uh, they lost, and we couldn't allow them to to follow us. If we want them, I think like it's a good difference uh, between both. But but yes, the injuries are difficult. They are not only playing once in a week. But I trust in Brighton. Why not? They give us yeah. lots of arguments to, to believe in them. Exactly. Why not, Dagan? Why not? Uh, now, Joe, Joe, how are you listen. feeling about, about the matchup against Chelsea? <sighs> Why do we have to play them, Dagan? <laughs> I, I'm just so sick of that bloody football club. I, yeah, I I think I actually despise Chelsea more than I despise Palace at the moment. Genuinely. It is just... Oh, just the fact that there is a possibility that we lose. 
and the social media banter that we're going to get from the Chelsea fans. Oh, we lost in your cup final, this, that and the other. When they actually probably care about the fixture more than we do now. And that's the levels of this football club. That's where we've come. You know, I've seen Crystal Palace fans being unbelievably jealous of our European tour and saying, why aren't we this football club? And they're in our shadow now. Great, they're gone. But the, the fact that Chelsea are now lingering on as well, it's like, just just, just get just get away. You're not playing European football. You're spending too much money on a squad that is unbelievably mediocre. Terrible squad. I know they're scoring goals. I know their form has turned a little bit. But they're still god-awful. This is going to come back on me and people are going to clip me saying, oh, Chelsea. But, you know, I hope we go there and I hope we absolutely do them in because, I'm yeah, I'm sick of them. I mean, being objective, they have loads of talent. Most of it is very young. Um, They do have a few veterans. Uh, But I think what they're getting as a result of that are really, really varied results. Um, Some days, you know, against City, they looked like they could compete with the best in the world. And then they turn around and lay a complete egg against Newcastle and get walloped. Um, what team will show up any week is anyone's guess. And I think, you know, we, we understand that playing a lot of younger players that sometimes what you get um, Cole Palmer has looked great. Uh, can continues to, to be excellent. I hope we can limit his chances. Um, it's a six pointer as I, as I've heard said, we sit six points ahead of them right now. Uh, if we win this, we'll be nine points clear of Chelsea. But if we lose, just three. Uh, it, right? I mean, that, that just seems immense. Three is three. Oh, we're one game. They're one game from being even with us. Nine, you know, feels like a massive gulf. Uh, so it, it does feel like a game that would greatly increase the likelihood of us securing top eight. Um, because we're looking at Chelsea nine points behind us and West Ham as the two teams that would you know be most in position to threaten that. Not to mention uh, Newcastle. Is it Newcastle and Spurt? No, Newcastle and United play each other, and they're directly in front of us. So theoretically, you know, one if not both of those teams are going to drop some points and give us a chance to to gain some ground there too. So it's a it's a huge game. It's a huge game. Uh, sad that we don't have our our best personnel, but they, they in fairness they don't either. They've they've got a lot of guys out, and uh, but they also have a squad valued at you know multiple multiple times ours. I think I said in the chat they'll still put multiple players on the pitch that will cost more than our entire starting lineup that we'll be likely to have, uh, and so that that says it all. But uh, you're right, we'll hear it from Chelsea fans if they do beat us, even though they are at home, and even though we do have 12 players out injured and are playing off you know a short week. There's every reason why they should beat us in this game. Again, if we can be the little engine that could and win this game, it is a monumental momentum builder uh, for the rest of the season. Um, and it'll shut Chelsea fans up for another few weeks, which would be nice. Yeah, I think you're spot on, Dagan. Um, it's a massive, massive game for the rest of our season. Um, Rodders in the chat has said, which back four would you guys play? For me, it would be Veltman, Van Heck, Igor and Hinchelwood. I think that's probably the only one that makes sense. Maybe put Milner in there. Um, but, you know, the, the, but Dagan, these are the options that we have to to deal with. So for me, it's, it's Hinchelwood. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? I, if it's not Hinchelwood, 
I would say maybe maybe a back three um, of the three that you named first, uh, and then add another body in the midfield. Um, I think it's more likely that Hinchelwood will be the fourth. Um, yeah, is Lala is Lalana hurt? Probably. Okay. <laughs> He's always hurt. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. You know. Who's out there? Um, this this might be a game for Baleba, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to seeing you know a midfield three, and that's why I suggest the the back three potentially. I, I don't discard also that um, the Zerbi play right back Gross, uh, and when the, we start with the build up from the back, and then both in the midfield like. Um, Baleva and our Scottish man in the midfield, and then he will have like two men that are good defending and also gross there. So possibly could be the option, as you were telling, like Igor, um, Van Heck, uh, Gross, and Beltman. Possibly I don't know, but I think that with Hinselwood this this game, I don't think he's going to start. I like a lot, but possibly this kind of game, possibly he would prefer a little bit of more contention on the midfield. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so before we sign off, I guess we just get some score predictions and then we'll go on to our player of the match for Athens, which I probably should have done after we spoke about the Athens game, but I'm not a proper host. Tom is. Don't at me. Um, so yeah, score prediction for uh, Sunday's game against Chelsea, Geordie. One one. One one. I think, yeah, I think it would be one tight, one one tight. Um, our scorer, I think it would be Adin Raya. Okay, yeah. I, I, honestly, I'll probably take a one or draw right now, Dagan, to to yeah. minimise my stress for this weekend because I don't I don't want to go through the stress of another ninety minutes. To be honest, Dagan, give me a score prediction. Uh, I'm going to go in a completely different direction because I think this game is going to be messy and I think they're going to be mistakes and ugly goals and just all out and out chaos. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go three, four to the Albion. Nice side, nice side. Oh, really? Do I have to enjoy that? Um, I'm going to go for an, a nice, solid 3-0 win for the Albion because it's sod Chelsea and it would be great for us to get our um, first Premier League clean sheet against Chelsea this weekend. So we'll take that. Um, let's end the, the, the podcast on a... Well, I think that's probably a positive note anyway, but a more positive note and talk about the player of the match for Athens. Geordie, uh, I'll let you go first. Thank you for me, as we were talking before. Barbara Bruggen, for sure. Uh, I think that's a really admirable pick and and was the first, the first name uh, on my list as well. Um, you know, Sarah... Ceremonially, I kind of want to give it to Dunk, and especially because he missed this, you know, the first leg of this. Um, and I felt like he was 
the emotional center in way in a way that we really needed it for a game like this. And I, I feel like, you know, Verbruggen was the guy back there making the stops. And I think you could you could make every case that he deserved it. Um, but I'm going to I'll offer up Lewis Dunk uh, as a as an alternative. We'll go for a donkey. Yeah, I, I can go for that. Um, I'm going to give I'm going to give my Albion player of the match to young Jack Hinshelwood because I thought it was just an absolutely fantastic 90-minute performance in the Europa League for an 18-year-old lad who's come from the first age group in our academy all the way to the first team. It's just absolutely stunning. So it's got to be him for me. Um, And yeah, I guess that draws the uh, episode to a close. So I I just want to thank Geordie for his time. He is an hour ahead of us in the UK. So it's almost... It's almost tomorrow for you, Jordy. How have you done it? Thank you so much for joining us. Um, just let people know where they can find you on social media. Yes, in my case, um, that it's easier. Uh, I have an account uh, that it's um, BHAFC Espanol, that it's like I translate um, the tweets of, of Brighton into Spanish just because we have like a huge a community of Spaniards and also of South America and yeah for sure uh, the club is uh, is growing uh, and yeah amazing to live what we have been living on Thursday but we will have lots of match ahead that would be amazing it was a it was a pleasure to be with you here no worries as I say thanks so much uh, Jordi for joining us and um, I will do the usual spiel at the end of the episode Dagan so you can find all of your football shirt needs at one clop shop and if you go in the description I'll add it in afterwards because I forgot to add it in whoops um, so if you go in the description tomorrow and there'll be a link to one clop shop if you enter the code Albion obsessed you get 10% off of your purchase which is all good we also just announced that we raised over 800 pounds for Movember um, which is for men's physical and mental health Um, so that's an incredible work from both Phil uh, Tom and Dan who raised an incredible amount of money so thank you everyone who donated it really does go a long way in helping somebody um, so you've you've done good. So thank you very much. Um, but that's all from us. We'll see you next time on the Albinus Test Podcast. And take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.